Hey there, future friends! This week, listening to the blues is the cat's meow. This is the week of February 5th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 192 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right it's episode 192 of future flicks with billion we are that much closer to episode 200 and i totally totally have a plan for it and i'm not just gonna wing it and i'm not even slightly terrified of that milestone not even a little well my future friends we have some really good movies coming out to uh video on demand and uh netflix and let's see one prime video i think But you know what? If you love movies, this is a pretty good week. I like the stuff that's coming out. And two of the things I'm very interested in are coming to Netflix. So that's easy peasy. That's no extra money from me, which is what I like. Well, my future friends, if you are new to the show, you may be wondering what I do here. And what I do during COVID is a little bit different than what we do when there's no COVID and we when we can go anywhere and sit in a theater right next to someone, should we choose. So on this show, we start with any new news that has caught my eye. Movie news, of course. Then we go into the new trailers that have caught my eye. And in both cases, I say to you, hey, you, if there's anything that I didn't talk about, that you think I should have, then let me know. And after that, we go into the movies that are coming out on streaming. There are more movies coming out, some hitting just theaters, like, what, the 10 theaters in the whole country that are open? But I'm going to only talk about the ones that can be watched from the comfort and safety of your own home until all of this has blown over. And then after that, I talk about two movies that I have seen on a streaming service, and I try to keep it to the streaming services you probably have, like Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime, sometimes Disney+. Plus. But like this week, I'm doing HBO Max, because my wife and I did HBO Max for one month, and we tried to watch everything we could, and then we're going to wait until the next bi- until the next big movie comes out, and then we're going to get it again, and then cancel, and so on and so forth. Because with our experience with HBO Max, it's not it's not worth it. It's not worth a continuous subscription. Anyway, I talk about two movies that I watched that I mentioned the week before. So I prep you in case you want to play along or you can even watch it later, should you so choose. This week, the movies we're talking about are Doolittle on HBO Max and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. After those movies, we get into the question of the week, and then I tell you what movies we're watching next week, and then I send you along your way to listen to what other podcasts you may enjoy. And as always, I thank you so much that my show is one of them. But my future friends, let us waste not a single second more, and let's jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. 
Our first story, my friends, comes to us from Giant Freakin' Robot. Charlize Theron has been greenlit for a sequel to one of her biggest action movies. And if you remember that movie from last year, year before, uh, let's see. Yes, it was from last year and a Netflix original. And that movie is called The Old Guard. So yes, Old Guard 2 has been greenlit with Charlize Theron supposedly going to return. So really quick spoilers for Old Guard coming up. Jump forward 10 seconds or something if you don't want to hear it starting now. But if I remember right, we left with the main group fully intact. We left with Charlize Theron alive, but no longer having her rejuvenation powers. So she could return or she could not. All we know for certain is that The Old Guard 2 is coming. The Old Guard was streamed, according to Netflix, 72 million times. And it's ranked sixth on the list of Netflix original movies as far as popularity goes. So, of course, they're going to do another one. And I would very much like to see another one. I liked it. it. It wasn't great, but it was fun. And movies like that, you watch because they're enjoyable. You watch because you love action. You love the interesting interesting ideas like this. Like this thought of a group of immortals who are basically soldiers of fortune in this very A-team sort of way. And now that we're we're already familiar with the world and how their powers work, or not powers so much as their how their immortality works, we know that. So they can do so much more with the sequel, and I look forward to this. There is nothing else known about this. It doesn't even have an IMDb page yet, and you know that they'll give an IMDb page to a movie as soon as it's announced. So this is pretty early on. And you know what, my future friends, this next story, it comes to us from um, some source. Inverse, it comes to us from Inverse. I am so f***ing tired at this point of all the things that have been confirmed and then unconfirmed and then no, it is confirmed, but wait, no, it actually wasn't confirmed for Spider-Man 3 that at this point, I really don't know what to think because this, this recent article just four days ago from Inverse says that... Apparently, the only big casting rumor that's true is we have Dr. Octopus. That's right, Alfred Molina returning as Dr. Octopus. But supposedly that's the only one confirmed, but I thought all of these others were confirmed. Like, I thought Jamie Foxx was confirmed, that Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, M. Stone, and Kristen Dunst were confirmed. So you know what, my future friends, I will continue to report whenever something comes out. I will, but only when I actually see the movie... From now on, will I fully trust who's in it? All right, my future friends. Next up, we have uh, an unfortunate story. We have lost actress Cicely Tyson. Uh, She was best known for, well, she's been working since, let's see, 1951 was her first acting gig. She died at the age of 96. Most recently, she was in 10 episodes of How to Get Away with Murder. But she was also in movies like Fried Green Tomatoes, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and The Help. And we also lost Cloris Leachman. I I forgot about that, too. Cloris Leachman, who you would know from movies like Young Frankenstein, Spanglish, The Last Picture Show. And you know what? She has two movies left that haven't come out yet. Uh, A completed movie called High Holiday coming out this year. And another movie coming out this year that's in post called Not to Forget. She was 94. This next story comes to us from Movie Maker Magazine, which, yeah, sure, that's a place. But you may have already seen this picture all over the place. And 
That's because it's Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana in the upcoming movie Spencer. Spencer, that's filming as we speak. It's a film about during her Christmas holiday with the royal family at the Sandringham Estate in Norfolk, England, Diana decides to leave her marriage to Prince Charles. So far, we know the cast is Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, who looks strikingly like Princess Diana. Like, find a side-by-side. It's the internet. You can find a side-by-side. They look so alike. We also know Sally Hawkins is in it, Sean Harris is in it, and Timothy Spall. My friends, this next story comes to us from today. You know, that quote-unquote news show that everyone watches in the morning that has like 10 minutes of news and the rest is bullshit. Well, they reported about James Gandolfini's son, who's playing a young Tony Soprano in a Sopranos prequel film. And that that is cool news. It, it really is. And he hasn't been acting for that long. He's only been acting since 2018, where he played an extra in Ocean's 8. But what's making uh, waves with this is that he looks a lot like him. Go figure. This guy looks like his father. That's so f***ing weird. To be fair, it would be weird for me because I'm Asian and my dad's white. But <laughs> but in this case, it's like, weird, he looks like his dad. Why does this other guy's son look like the milkman? I don't know. That's an old joke. I'm sorry for that old joke. But if you look up the picture, yeah, that could very easily be a young James Gandolfini. Well, my friends, this next story really, really isn't news. I just thought it was pretty cool. Comes to us from Time Magazine. Actor Simu Liu, from, uh, who's going to be in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Or if you're cultured, you know him from Kim's Convenience as Jung. But he, in an interview with Time, said he's very excited to play this role because he can be someone that he didn't have as a kid. Of course, he's talking about Asian representation in media, which I, I can't believe in 2021 is still really a thing. Like, think about how many Asian leading actors you can think of. Just count them. Uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is Emma Stone. And that, of course, was a joke. Well, my future friends, our next story comes to us from the AV Club. We now have a premiere date for Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max. And we now know that's only going to be released as a movie, no longer both a movie and a four-part miniseries, which I really don't see why not. Like, would it really have cost more money, like a substantial amount of money to do both? Well, that's coming to streaming on March 18th coming to streaming on hbo max of course and my future friends before i look for any news stories that broke today the last story i have saved comes to us again from giant freaking robot there is a rumor that ryan reynolds is requesting a woman or director of color for deadpool 3 apparently his goal is adding to the diversity of the marvel cinematic universe which isn't very diverse but it's getting there and i don't see why this wouldn't be true a, because it's a really, really weird rumor to start. And also, it just seems like something he would do. He seems like a really nice guy. It's also a good point that we need more diversity in Hollywood in general, especially in the MCU. And also, looking looking at it from a only selfish standpoint, that would only help Deadpool 3. It could only help it. The movie's going to be big anyway, but if you add the fact that you, that you can say, hey, look, we have a director that's either a person of color or a woman, or maybe even a woman of color, that would just get you more people wanting to watch the movie. Right off the top of my head, I could say we can get F. Gary Gray to do it. F. Gary Gray, who did The Negotiator, The Italian Job, Set It Off, Friday, of course. Or better yet, Antoine Fuqua, who did The Equalizer, who did The Magnificent Seven, Southpaw, Olympus Has Fallen. 
shooter training day? Come on. I just wish John Singleton was still alive to have his hat in that ring, because come on. Four brothers, Shaft, Too Fast, Too Furious, come on. And full transparency, I did know those directors off the top of my head. I had to look up which movies they did, because my memory's not that good. And of course I didn't mention Ryan Coogler, because he's already done Black Panther. But you know what, why not do multiple ones? Yeah, f*** it. Ryan Coogler knows what he's doing. Black Panther was dope. He wrote it too, and Killmonger is probably the best villain in the MCU. Especially with the fact that, yes, he had evil plans, but you he was also relatable. You could see how he got there. Ryan Coogler news, actually, there's a new story that caught my eye. Ryan Coogler is set to direct a Wakanda-themed TV show for Disney+, Plus. so yay. And I'm hoping, I'm really, really hoping that the MCU continues to do what they've already been doing, where their shows do tie into the movies, but you won't get lost if you don't watch the shows, or you won't get lost if you don't watch the movies for some weird reason. Because I stopped watching the Arrowverse shows because it got so convoluted that I got backed up and now I'm just like, it's too much of a f***ing hassle to watch them all now. Because you get to like season three of Arrow, then you have to start watching Flash along with it, then Legends Tomorrow, then Supergirl. Ain't no one got time for that. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, we are back. Avast, and welcome to the trailer troll. We are back with a film called You Will Die at 20 which may already be out. I'm seeing different things. I'm seeing that's not coming out till later this month, but I'm also seeing that it came out last month. I don't know. But it seems very interesting because this is a Sudanese movie, and the premise is as follows. Shortly after Muzamil was born, the village's holy man predicts that he will die at the age of 20. Muzamil's father can't stand the curse and leaves home. Sakina raises her son as a single mother, overly protective, and then one day... Her son turns 19. So I get the gist of what this movie is about from the from the uh, trailer, but it it something about it spoke to me, and I really want to see this, and also because I've never seen a movie from the Sudan, or from Sudan. And it's Sudan's official submission for the Best International Feature Film category in the next Academy Awards. So, fun fact there. All right, my friends, next up, we have a trailer for a movie called The Courier. It's a based-on-a-true-story thriller starring... People like Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel Brosnan, Angus Wright, Jesse Buckley, and um, it looks pretty good. It looks like a a standard thriller. It looks like a standard wartime thriller because this takes place during the Cold War. It's about this guy named Greville Wynn, who is hired by the Americans to go spy on the Russians. He's a British dude, and he's sent to Russia to go spy, which, guess what, is pretty fucking dangerous. 
And this is about the time the Cuban Missile Crisis is going on. So it sounds like something John LeCar would have written. And from the looks of this trailer, it looks like Branston Pickle, Crumbletop, once again, is clearly himself in this film, but also strikingly different because that's what i've noticed about him it's always benedict cumberbatch like clearly benedict cumberbatch he he's not getting lost in his role like some actors do but he's totally different which i think is a very nice skill because i can look at him going oh this is ben 10 cabbage patch but he's not playing just the same old character over and over so i like that this comes out march 19th all right my future friends this next trailer is one I missed last week, and oh my god, I just really want to talk about it because of how fucking... I, I don't know. I don't know. It looks so bad, but so, so good. This is actually a Shudder original movie that I missed that came out on the 22nd of January, and it's called Psycho Gorman. This is about a little girl and her brother who unearth a, an evil monster in their backyard, but it just so happens that they also found this gem that lets them control him, and hilarity ensues. Uh, check out the trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. All right, my future friends, next up we have a trailer for a movie called Crisis, and this is one of those weird, re really weird movies in my opinion, where we have this film that's coming out, no one's talking about it, I haven't seen it advertised anywhere, yet it has a very impressive cast. So you're telling me somehow your movie had the funds to get an impressive cast like this, but not to, um, you know, not to advertise or anything? Weird. Anyway, Crisis is three stories in one, all involving the world of op opioids. <laughs> Say it's opioids. Nyak, nyak, nyak. All involving opioids. A drug trafficker arranges a multi-cartel fentanyl smuggling operation between Canada and the U.S. An architect recovering from an Oxycontin addiction tracks down the truth behind her son's involvement with narcotics. And a university professor battles unexpected revelations about his research employer, a drug company with a deep government influence, bringing a new non-addictive, with sarcastic air quotes, painkiller to the market. So three stories in one that they're all going to be linked somehow. We have Gary Oldman in this. So Gary Oldman, Army Hammer, Evangeline Lilly, Greg Kinnear, Michelle Rodriguez, Kid Cudi, Lily Rose Depp. So we have the bigger people in this movie, Gary Oldman and Army Hammer. Everyone else is famous, but not, you know, super in demand, even though I love Greg Kinnear. But still, that's a lot of names people know, and that's impressive. And it's one of those films that come out that go entirely, entirely under the radar. But my future friends, that's why you have me. This is set to come out February 26th, and I'll let you know if it's... Well, basically, if I mention it on the show the week of the 26th, then you know it's coming to streaming. If not, keep an eye out for it later on, um, you know, Blu-ray or DVD. All right, my future friends, the next trailer coming up is for Raya and the Last Dragon. Another movie I'm surprised isn't getting more hype because it's coming out very soon. And this was a very, very hyped for a while, a very hyped Disney movie, especially because it was a primarily Asian cast actually voicing Asian characters. What the hell? That doesn't happen. But yes, this is this is full of people like Kelly Marie Tran, Gemma Chan, Aquafina, Daniel Day Kim, Sandra Oh, Benedict Wong, and of course, Alan Tudyk. I don't care if he voices an Asian or some animal or something. It's Alan Tudyk. We love him. 
But anyway, this looks super fun. Uh, it's in a realm known as Kamandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization. A warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon to bring peace to the land. So it's an animated movie, action adventure, with a bunch of fighting, and it looks super interesting. And this comes out... Oh, it's actually written by Asians, too. That's amazing. And it comes out March 5th in theaters and early access on Disney Plus with premiere access, which means you pay some stupid f***ing amount on a service you already own. And even though I'm excited for this, I don't think I'll pay for early access. I think I'll just wait because it really didn't take that long for Mulan, even though I still haven't watched Mulan. It's it didn't take long at all for Mulan to come out on Disney Plus for free. So Raya and the Last Dragon looks fun as hell. And it comes out March 5th. March 5th? Is that what I said? I can't remember already. Yes, March 5th. Jesus, I'm old. All right, my future friends, we are going to talk about the next film, which is called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Oh, the next trailer, per se. And this is a Prime Video original coming out next week, so I'll be talking about it on the show so I won't go too deep into it, but it's based on a book by Lev Grossman. Lev Grossman wrote one of my all-time most hated books, The Magicians. And I hated the book so much because the main character was such an awful piece of sh** that the rest of the book was just... I, I couldn't put up with it. But this one sounds very interesting. This is a very familiar premise. We've heard this before. Two people are stuck in a time loop. Wow, it's almost like there's a movie that came out last year with that premise. It's almost like Palm Springs had that premise, but we already know Palm Springs killed it. We knew it was great, or we already know it's great. This one, we, we're we not sure about. And it stars Catherine Newton and Kyle Allen. Catherine Newton, you'll know if you watched Supernatural or Big Little Lies or Detective Pikachu or Blockers or Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. You've seen her. She has been around. But yes, this is an infinite day loop movie where they wake up in the same day every day. And the, only these two people know it. And even though we've seen this before, we saw the Groundhog Day, though that was only one person. Uh, before I Fall, Source Code, a Happy Death Day, Edge of Tomorrow. These are all movies about time loops, but they all set themselves apart somehow. But we will see if this one does. Again, I'll talk more about the movie next week. And finally, in the trailer trove, we have a film coming straight to Netflix on the 3rd of March called Moxie. This is directed by Amy Poehler, and it's about a young woman in high school who is fed up with the toxic and sexist status quo at her school. A shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-age revolution. And yeah, I'm down. When when this trailer first started, I thought this was going to be a Kissing Booth-esque rom-com. But it's so much more than that. And we have this young girl who's fed up with things because at her school, apparently there's a bangable list where the jocks put together a list of most bangable and, oh, have it, who has the nicest ass and who puts out and stuff like that. And a girl will be sent home for wearing a tank top, but a guy can walk around topless. And how the women just aren't treated fairly, especially 
uh, compared to the boys. So we have this young girl named, uh, she has a name, I bet. And they'll probably tell us in the movie, but she starts this revolution that takes over. And I'm excited for this. And you bet your ass we'll be talking about this on the show. And my future friends, let us wrap up the trailer trove. Actually, there is one more. The trailer just dropped a couple hours ago for Coming to America. That's right, the sequel to the original Coming to America. And I remember when the, when this was first announced and I thought, um, okay, I mean, I won't judge it too harshly ahead of time, but is this really necessary? And now that I've seen the trailer, yes. Yes, it is. In fact, I think that maybe even the fact that it took so long added to it. Because I think that this movie, at least from the trailer, captures the spirit of the first film, but it is a modern comedy. And this has a good cast. Of course, it has Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and James Earl Jones, and also has Wesley Snipes, Kiki Lane, Leslie Jones, and Tracy Morgan, as well as Louis Anderson, which is random and great. But the trailer looked like so much fun. And instead of taking place in America, this takes place in Zamunda. And this is coming out very soon, straight to Amazon Prime on March 5th. So now we know two movies I'll be talking about sometime in March. We know one will be Moxie and the other will be coming to America. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. As always, if I miss anything, please, please let me know and I will talk about it in the next episode. I am recording this on the third, so if anything comes out after then, that's why I've missed it. So let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And my God, did you guys watch a Royal Rumble? So if you haven't seen the Royal Rumble, skip ahead a bit. But what a great ending. Uh, I could have been a little happier. My wife and I thought it would have been really cool if Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt won, so it was kind of tied to them. But Bianca Belair and Edge is pretty damn good. And especially because in the Women's Rumble, which was dope, the last three are the same last three from the previous year. Charlotte, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley. And the Men's Rumble. Come on, Christian coming back? Edge and Christian together? That was sick. And then seeing Carlito come back and be ripped? I have never seen Carlito that ripped. And he looked good. And Christian looked really good, too. Uh, my wife just told me, apparently, we don't watch the regular shows because we, well, we're lazy. But <laughs> apparently Carlito is staying back, pairing up with Jeff Hardy to go for a belt. But I would love to see Christian back. I would love to see another run with Edge and Christian so bad. Anyway, let us jump into our break for the Nerds of the Squared Circle. We'll come right back. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com All right, my future friends, we are back with the movies that are coming out on streaming this week. Let us start with a film called A Glitch in the Matrix. This is coming out to theaters, whichever are open, VOD, and possibly Apple TV Plus at the same time. 
This is a documentary by documentary filmmaker Rodney Asher, who tackles the question, are we living in a simulation with testimony, philosophical evidence for the answer? And you know what? I'm just not interested. Um, Unless I know it's being done to laugh at conspiracy theorists, I, I don't think I would watch this. This just seems like flat earth bullshit to me. Let's move on to a movie coming out on VOD called Payback. A young stockbroker at a mob-controlled Wall Street firm gets betrayed and sent to prison for six years. But when he gets out, he seeks his revenge. This stars Matt Levitt from Wolf Creek, Toby Leonard Moore from John Wick, Lev Gorn from The Americans, and Raid Serbedja, I think, from Snatch. And what we have here, a basic thriller, a basic action thriller. Oh, crime crime thriller sounds better. That, that's a better description for this. One of those films that doesn't look bad, but you'll watch it, maybe even like it, and then just forget it. Let's move on to a film called Two of Us, coming out on video on demand. Pensioners Nina and Madeline have hidden their deep and passionate love for many decades, but their bond is put to the test when they are suddenly unable to move freely between each other's apartments. Uh, this is a French film. And I'll be honest, it wasn't the best trailer. This could movie, this could movie, this movie could easily go in the two obvious directions. Either it's going to suck donkey balls or it's going to be really good. So for this one, I'm definitely going to wait and see what early fan reviews are or fan reviews, just movie fan reviews, that is, and see what real people have to say about it. Next up, we have a film called The Waiting Mare. This comes out in theaters and video on demand. In Whitrin, a line of women pass a recurring dream through multiple generations. And this stars well, a bunch of women, obviously, but uh, none of them were notice notable names. The only notable name was Josh Clark from McFarland, USA. And this film has the potential to be very, very interesting. It really does. But just like with the two of us, just like that it could go, okay, look, let's be honest. Any movie could be anything. It could be great. It could be terrible. It could be anywhere in between. But I hope you know what I mean when I say it could go either way, where it has that potential. It has a potential within it to be something special. It also has the potential to just be forgettable garbage. And again, since this isn't coming to some streaming service, I don't think I'm going to take a risk on it. And talking about movies I don't want to take a risk on, let's talk about The Mimic coming to theaters and video on demand. A man suspects his best friend may be a sociopath and goes to extreme lengths to uncover the truth about him and his wife, who he eventually begins to fancy. This stars Thomas Sadowski from Wild, Jake Robinson from The Carrie Diaries, Austin Pendleton from Short Circuit, Gina Gershon from Face Off, Jessica Walter from Arrested Development, and M. Emmett Walsh from Blade Runner. This trailer gave me vibes like the film Greener Grass from 2019. You may remember me talking about it. Or if you're new, you don't. Just check out the trailer. It gives me Greener Grass vibes, but less insane. Like, it seems very weird, very purposefully weird, but I'm not sure if that's good. I still kind of want to see Greener Grass, especially because I really like Beck Bennett from Saturday Night Live. But this movie just, 
it could be interesting, but it just seems like one of those skippable films. So as you can see, when I'm going down this list, the films get more and more interesting with each one. And this one looks a little more interesting. It's a documentary called The Human Factor. And this is an epic behind the scenes story of the United States' 30 year effort to secure peace in the Middle East, recounted from the unique perspective of the American mediators on the front lines. So from what I understand from the trailer, this follows the mediators for the various administrations from Clinton to Obama and how they all had the same idea like, oh, I'm going to bring peace to the Middle East and then going, what? It's not that easy. It's really hard. That's so strange. If only someone told me. But it does look very interesting because we all know that peace in the Middle East is a is a big deal. It's it's a tumultuous area and every presidency we've had in my lifetime at least talks about bringing peace to the middle east and so it will be interesting to see a documentary that will talk about why it's not that easy and look i know no one thinks it's really going to be easy like like whoever president biden is going to pick to do it i doubt this person is going, going to go oh i have a great idea it's going to be super easy so yeah i know it's not easy that's just kind of me being dumb let's talk about a shutter original film coming out well, of course, it's coming out. That's the that's the part of the show we're in called The Reckoning. Evelyn, a young widow haunted by the recent suicide of her husband, Joseph, is falsely accused of being a witch by her landlord after she rejects his advances. So Shudder is one of those streaming services that I, I've never really felt the need to get. I've talked about it. I know I've talked about it on the show going, oh, I should get it. Try it out. But it doesn't really appeal to me. And a lot of the Shudder originals just seem like I could get the same quality by going to Walmart and digging through the dollar bin of movies. But this week has two movies that are Shudder originals that look pretty interesting. And this is one of them. This kind of looks like a take on The Witch, but less artsy, more dark gothic horror. Because we have this woman who is being held captive because someone thought she was a witch. And right there is something that's going to bother me. is because I hate movies, period pieces, about this time. Because all these people are such gaping ass that it just makes me angry. The fact that anyone could interpret the Bible and go, I know, I know what God wants. Murdering people. But what about that part where it says only those with uh, no sin cast the first stone? You know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean. Like, oh, no, no. But it says here, burn the witch, so I'm going to burn the witch. But this seems to have witch vibes in the sense that, yes, there actually is something going on and not the crucible vibes where it's just uh, a lot of angry white men. This stars, I never said who's in it, Sean Pertwee from Event Horizon, Joe Anderson from The Crazies, and Charlotte Kirk from Ocean's 8. All right, my friends, few movies left. We have The Right One, video on demand release. Sarah, a novelist struggling with writer's block, needs inspiration and finds it when she meets Godfrey, a down-on-his-luck oddball who constantly changes personas and alter egos in order to cope with his past and avoid reality. Just as Godfrey begins to open up to Sarah, he discovers that she's been using him as inspiration for her next novel, and he vanishes from her life. This stars Cleopatra Coleman from The Last Man on Earth, Eliza Schlesinger from Spencer Confidential, and David Cockner from Krampus. 
and I like movies like this, but I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm going to watch this one because the basic, basic premise is very familiar. Just like if you, if you break any movie down to its basic parts, they're all familiar stories. They all have familiar story arcs. And in just that case, they are predictable. It's what you do to change it and to make your movie different, which sets these apart. Though this one does look interesting. This Godfrey guy has all these different personalities and works at all these different jobs and basically does whatever he wants and not in a dickish way, just in a, I'm a weird guy and I'm not dangerous per se, but I'm still kind of weird. So don't get too close to me. Like he works at an office job that requires a suit and tie, but he walks in in a t-shirt and shorty shorts and does yoga in the hallway, showing everyone his ass. And someone's like, hey, who's that guy? Why is he not wearing what we tell people to wear. And she's like, oh, that's this guy. He's been our number one salesperson for a year. This movie could be interesting. It could have a lot of heart, but we will see if it ever comes to a bigger service. And just a reminder about all these VOD releases. These could come out on a bigger service, but also some of them are coming out where you just go to their website or rent them on Amazon or something where you actually do have to pay money to specifically watch these. But that never means that they're not coming to a streaming service you already have. You just got to wait. All right. Next up, we have one I've talked about before called Minamata Theaters and VOD again. War photographer W. Eugene Smith travels back to Japan where he documents the devastating effects of mercury poisoning in coastline communities. This stars Johnny Depp from Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber Fleet Street, Bill Nye from About Time, Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, and Tadanobu Asano from Thor Ragnarok. And I don't know, it it bothers me that the truth about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation is so up in the air still that, you know, at first it was clear cut. She was the victim. He's the asshole. And then it kind of looked for a while like they're both assholes. And then it started to look like, no, she's the asshole and he is the victim. But some recent court case or something cited with her, even though there's that audio evidence of her abusing him. I don't know. It's so f***ing weird. And the only reason I bring that up is because I don't want to watch movies or support actors, directors, writers who are bad people. Or at the very least, problematic. Like, I will never again read a J.K. Rowling book. I will only take them out of the library or pirate them. If a new Fantastic Beast movie ever comes out, which it looks like it is, I'm going to either pirate it or wait for streaming. Or pay to see a different movie and then sneak into that theater. I don't know. So it bothers me when there's something so unclear as this. But my future friends, if you don't care about that, and I'm not, not saying that in a judgy way, I'm just saying if you can watch a movie and separate it from those who were involved in it, then this does look like a good film. My friends, next up we have a movie called Falling. This is coming to theaters, video on demand, and eventually Apple TV+. John Peterson lives with his partner Eric and their adopted daughter in Southern California. When he is visited by his aging father Willis from Los Angeles who is searching for a place to retire, their two very different worlds collide. This stars Viggo Mortensen from Lord of the Rings, Terry Chen from The Expanse, Lance Henriksen from Aliens, Sevrir Goodnison from The Girl in the Spider's Web, Laura Linney from Kinsey, and Hannah Gross from Mindhunter. So my future friends, last week we talked about Supernova with Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth as well. You know, that one about the aging couple 
who are traveling across England in their old RV. Well, this one kind of gives me similar vibes, not just the fact that they're gay, but the fact that we have a, a movie that seems like Oscar bait with notable people in it, and it seems like the movie's sole purpose is to make you sad. Like, if you look at Supernova, the best case scenario that could possibly happen is still sad. It's not like gonna be like Stanley Tucci's character will wake up and go, oh, guess I don't have dementia, I'm fine now. No, it's not gonna end well. And this movie doesn't look like it can end well either. Even if John and his father Willis seem to reconcile because Willis is a, a very homophobic and never got to know his uh, got got to know his granddaughter and it just seems like a very bad situation and so John's struggling he's like do I I have to take care of my dad right even though he's a gigantic ass I still have to take care of him so the best case scenario for this is that they do reconcile but it's still not going to be a happy movie cuz we still have the shadow of all the years of anger behind them if I had to pick one, I would much rather see Supernova than Falling, but this one doesn't look bad either. I'm just more excited for Supernova, and it looks like a better movie. All right, my friends, next up we have a film called Little Fish, another theaters and VOD film. A couple fights to hold their relationship together as a memory loss virus spreads and threatens to erase the history of their love and courtship. This stars horribly disfigured Olivia Cook from Ready Player One, and Jack O'Connell from Unbroken. And no, nothing happened to Olivia Cook. She's fine. It's just that in two of her most popular things, Ready Player One and Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, her character was noticeably physically unattractive. Uh, I think she's supposed to be pretty ugly, in the book at least, in Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, and in Olivia, and in Olivia Cook, in Ready Player One, she's supposed to have a giant birthmark that covers up a good portion of her face that's supposed to be very hard to ignore. So poor Olivia Cook, who's not ugly, that kind of sounds like a backhanded compliment, <laughs> poor Olivia Cook, who's not ugly, plays in two of her biggest roles this, these people who are supposed to be. But anyway, good news, Little Fish isn't based on, off any other source material that I know of, and I don't think she's supposed to be an uggo, so good for her. So basically what we have here with Little Fish is a film that, hey, guess what it reminds me of? Supernova, and let's be honest, a lot of other films too. Let's be honest, this isn't a new idea. But with Little Fish, it just... Look, I don't know if it was written during COVID. I don't know when this movie was written, but the fact that it's coming out now seems like someone just had the idea of, oh, what if the COVID virus or the coronavirus was just a little different and took our memories away? And then what if we use this very familiar idea of a couple who are losing each other because of memory issues, this very familiar idea, what if we put this and the virus together? And I'm honestly not sure if this came out before COVID, how I would have felt about this. But it it just seems okay. It seems like one of those films that... Oh, what did I already say this about this week? The Mimic, was it? The Waiting Mare? One of the films I've already talked about where I said it looks okay, but just totally skippable. That's what I feel with Little Fish. But the acting looks good, and it is, you know I love it, a new take on a old idea. So, hey... It could have some promise. All right, my future friends, we have one, two, three, four movies left. So let's talk about Bliss, a mind-bending love story following Greg, who, 
after recently being divorced and then fired, meets the mysterious Isabel, a woman living on the streets and convinced that the polluted, broken world around them is a computer simulation. Oh shit, I just got the connection between that and, um, and a glitch in the Matrix. Wow. Anyway, this stars Owen Wilson from The Royal Tannenbaums, Salma Hayek from Desperado, Nesta Cooper from The Edge of Seventeen, George Lindenberg, Lindeborg Jr., I think, from Love, Simon, Ronnie Chang from Crazy Rich Asians, Steve Zissis from Happy Death Day to You, and Joshua Leonard from The Blair Witch Project. And this film kind of seems like... An idea Christopher Nolan had one night, drunken at a bar, scribbled it on a cocktail napkin and forgot it in the bar, forgot it even exists. Someone else finds it, takes that basic idea and turns into a movie. So what does that mean? That means that this sounds like it's going to be a mind f movie, but and not a bad one per se, just without his style and finesse. Because this whole movie, it seems like we're going to be asking ourselves what's real. Because in what seems like the simulation, he has this daughter who's very special to him, and she keeps on saying, Dad, you're you're going crazy. This isn't a simulation, this is real life. But then he has the he has this woman he uh, he meets, Isabel, saying, Oh, this is a simula uh, simulation. I'm the doctor that's in charge of you, or I'm the doctor that's doing it here. Let me pull you out of the simulation. So he gets pulled out of it sometimes. But is that real, or is he going crazy? Luckily, this is coming to Prime Video. So this may be a movie I watch just because I I may have skipped it. But since it's coming to a service that I already have, that does a lot for my interest. I like Owen Wilson. I love Salma Hayek. I think this could be worth something. Well, my future friends, it is time to travel to Australia for the movie Rams. Another theater VOD release. A decades-long feud between two sheep farming brothers comes to a head when disaster strikes their flocks. This stars Sam Neill from The Hunt for Red October, Miranda Richardson from The Crying Game, Asher Keddy from X-Men Origins Wolverine, and Michael Catton from The Animal. And this looks funny. It really does. This is an Australian comedy, and I really want to see this. This looks like dry, witty humor, with Sam Neill playing a crotchety old man who knew that one day Dr. Alan Grant himself would be playing a crotchety old man and it looks like a lot of fun. I like Australian comedies. They're, they're like British comedies, but with that special something about it. I do really want to see this. I hope it's coming to some streaming service, or maybe just one day I'll up and buy it. We will see. I like Sam Neill. Uh, he, he's done good work for his entire career. And I, I like what he's doing now, too, because it's still it's still so good. Two films left, my friends, and they're both Netflix movies. First, we have to talk about Malcolm and Marie on Netflix. Well, I already said that, but Malcolm and Marie on Netflix. A director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. This stars Zendaya from Spider-Man Homecoming and John David Washington from Black Klansman. And on that alone, I want to see this. I like Zendaya. She's good. John David Washington is amazing. I think it's going to be just a matter of time until he gets an Academy Award just like his father. God, it's funny we're talking about him because I was just thinking about Glory earlier today, which I still love. And I really want to rewatch it just because I want to know if it holds up. But Denzel Washington was fantastic. 
Anyway, this movie came under fire for a bit, because if you remember, there was the issue that Zendaya was younger than John David Washington. Because Zendaya is 24 years old, John David Washington is 36, that's an age gap of 12 years. But I, what Zendaya brought up was, they're f***ing adults, who gives a shit? And, and just brought this up, a movie from, let's see, 2008 called Another Cinderella Story, starring Selena Gomez and Drew Seeley. At the time, Selena Gomez was 16 years old, and Drew Seeley is 10 years older, so the age gap is smaller, but he was 26 when she was 16, and they were, and they were playing romantic interests, and they were kissing and dancing all sexy together, and apparently Sel Selena Gomez had issues with, like, the kissing and stuff, and the director told her she'd be fired. So that is problematic. That is weird. This movie is perfectly fine. So if you weren't but one of those people who got weirded out by that, then this movie could be for you, because it does look like a one of those movies just like Marriage Story, in the sense that you watch it for the acting. You watch it for these amazing performances, not necessarily because the movie's good at all, but because the performances delivered by the actors is top tier. In Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver killed it. They absolutely crushed it. In Malcolm and Marie, I think Zendaya and John David Washington are going to do the same thing. But will Malcolm and Marie be more palatable than Marriage Story? We will see. And my future friends, we're going to wrap this up with something really fun. Another Netflix movie called Space Sweepers. This is set in the year 2092 and follows the crew of a space junk collection ship called The Victory. When they discover a humanoid robot named Dorothy that's known to be a weapon of mass destruction, they get involved in a risky business deal. None of these stars have done anything notable in America, but they've done quite a bit in Korea, so uh, or South Korea, so there we go. That's uh, something, but this looks hilarious. I think this looks really good. I love sci-fi. I love comedy. I love things like this. It just looks like a whole lot of fun. And I am very excited for it. And you bet your ass we're going to talk about this on the show. I'm very excited. I love I, I love everything about this trailer. But for now, my future friends, it's time for our next break. As we hear a word from our good, good friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall -wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back. We are back with the first movie we watched this week on streaming, and this is on HBO Max, and it's called Doolittle. A physician who can talk to animals embarks on an adventure to find a legendary island with a young apprentice and a crew of strange pets. This stars Robert Downey Jr., 
from U.S. Marshals, Antonio Banderas from The Mask of Zorro, Michael Sheen from Good Omens, Jim Broadbent from Moulin Rouge, Jesse Buckley from Fargo, the TV show, and Harry Collette from a TV show called Casualty. This also features the voices of Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, John Cena, Kumal Nanjiani, Octavia Spencer, Tom Holland, Craig Robinson, Ray Fiennes, Selena Gomez, Marion Cotillard, and Jason Manzukis. Okay, what to start with? What to start with? Uh, I liked this film way, way more than I thought I was going to. Uh, to be honest, we just watched it because we had, or I just choose, chose to watch it. It was my pick. Because we had HBO Max, it was a recent big release, and I knew we were getting rid of HBO Max at the end of the month. Also, I knew it had the premise to be fun, and that's exactly what Doolittle was. It was fun. It was enjoyable. It was a good family film. The premise was basic. Uh, we, We have the Queen of England being very sick, and she is summoned to the uh, royal palace by her daughter, And a young boy who has an affinity for animals tags along, forces himself along, basically. He stows away. And then, thanks to his ability to talk to animals, he figures out what's wrong. And, oh, guess what? Guess what can cure the queen? You'll never guess. This very specific and very rare herb on a very dangerous island that his wife died trying to find. You would never have guessed, right? You thought it would just be down the street. Oh, go down the street to the store, pick it up. It's in a little bottle, five ninety nine a bottle. Come right back. The queen is cured. End of movie. We can all go home. No, that's not the case. So they start on this quest. But and remember, my friends, there'll be spoilers for those for those films. Um, I should have said that earlier, but really, you know by now, right? There's going to be spoilers for Doolittle and uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Good. Now we can continue. There's actually someone poisoning the queen. Oh, no. And it's that pesky Michael Sheen. Boo. And also the per- and also uh, Jim Broadbent is behind it. Boo him, too. And Michael Sheen, along with some of the Navy, I guess, for some reason, is just going along with it. Go and try and stop Doolittle. All I'm going to say. Well, no, I don't care about spoilers right now. I can say whatever I want. So the trailer made me think this is going to get very dark. Because if you remember in the trailer, when they were on their ships, we had Doolittle and his ship being followed by the uh, Royal Navy and their ship. And they get fired upon. And then we see the gorilla laying all like scared and uh, seemingly hurt or something. And Doolittle's looking at him. I thought people were going to die. But no, my friends, just some... Uh, Okay, weird caveat to that, but for the most part, it's just some action. Because where the movie is going is very obvious. The only reason my wife and I didn't quite get it is because we were trying to give the movie too much credit. We thought, oh, the wife's not really dead. She's stuck on this island. Or, no, it's not going to be that easy because something's going to pop up. But no, it didn't. Yes, it really was that easy. And what I meant by caveat when I was talking about the deaths is that there are quite a few deaths implied. We we, we have Doolittle, who is at one point imprisoned by his wife's dad, or so his father and former father-in-law, who's the king of this island of thieves and who wants to feed him to a tiger. And he knows the tiger because he's escaped the tiger before. And then... He escapes, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's implied that the tiger has killed quite a few people. Then later on, when we find out that, oh, who's guarding this tree that has this magical fruit that will save the queen? A mother dragon. That's right. Oh, a dragon. 
And the dragon straight up murks a few people. And we can tell by some of the stuff laying around that he, this, this dragon, I think it's a she actually, has killed people before. In fact, the reason the dragon is so angry is because she's constipated because she straight up ate some of the armor that some of the people that came to the island were wearing. Is it very violent? No, I don't think it's violent. Uh, the the deaths of the the couple deaths you do see aren't very violent at all. They're just kind of dropped and they disappear. I think one person is burnt to a crisp, but it's very animated. It doesn't really look like it. So I I do think this would be good for a a, a young child. After all, this does get a PG rating, and we know that even though the rating system is a bunch of bullshit. We know that a lot of prudes work at that the MPAA, so hey, if I got PG, then that must be fine. But what impressed me is that we had Robert Downey Jr. playing someone other than Tony Stark, and it's a breath of fresh air, because Robert Downey Jr. is a very talented actor. He really, really is. But that kind of character he plays, the very smart, sarcastic, fast-talking character, is one of his most sought-after characters. When I was saying what he's known for... I did say U.S. Marshals, and his character from U.S. Marshals is just like an evil kind of Tony Stark. So I really want to press on you, my future friends, that this film really is for the family, for kids to enjoy, and for parents to watch something that's not terrible with their kids. Is this a great movie? No, it is very mediocre. It's fun and it's flashy, but that's really all it has going for it. But let me say... uh, Let me say something that's going to be a little nitpicky and let me preempt it by saying I don't know the full story of Dr. Doolittle, the original story, because Dr. Doolittle is based on a series of comics, I think, or a book by Hugh Lofting. The first time it was turned into a movie was in 1960, let's see, 1967. And Doolittle was played by Rex Harrison, who you'd know from fantastic films like My Fair Lady and The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Being classic films. But I don't know how Doolittle's powers work, because if we go by the more famous and, let's be honest, well, well-known and much better movies, the Eddie Murphy Doolittles, Doolittle's powers are, are just that. They're powers. He just can do it. And that's fine. That. That's a power. Whatever. I don't have an issue with that. But in this version, and I don't know about the original version, but in this version, it can be learned because it was never implied that the kid has powers, a kid that's going along with them. But it is implied that the kid is learning, that he's learning to speak the animal's language in their own language. Like he'll growl to the to a tiger or he'll make ape sounds to an ape or caw to a parrot. But then Doolittle can also talk to bugs and fish, and bugs and fish don't have a verbal language. Okay, neither do animals per se, but you know what I mean. Like, how does he talk to bugs? How do you learn to talk to bugs? I think it would have been a lot better if Robert Downey Jr.'s Doolittle had the power too, and he just happened to stumble upon this kid who had the gift, and he recognized the gift. I think that would have been better, but why the f***, Billiam, you may be asking yourself, why the actual fuck? Are you nitpicking a dumb, fun movie so much? And that's because I don't know what else to say besides it was fun and it was dumb. Would I ever watch it again? Maybe. It made me smile a few times. But you know what? Before I wrap this up, let's bitch about something else, shall we? Let's bitch about the vocal cast. That was huge. Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, John Cena, 
huge Octavia Spencer, amazingly huge names. And I didn't give a flying fuck that it was them. I love them. So many of these voice, the, the actors that voiced the animals are great and I love them. But it does not matter. It doesn't f***ing matter. There are actual voice actors out there who could have done this. And I bet you anything, the salary that they're used to is a lot less than you'd have to pay people like Tom Holland and Ray Fiennes and Octavia Spencer. So hell, you can give them a double raise and still be less. There's so many reasons that these movies, like animated and otherwise, that need vocal casts that get big names. There's so many reasons that doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. It matters if there's something special and noticeable about your voice. Or if you do something special with your delivery. Kumal Nanjiani, Jason Manzukis. I understood their, those choices. Kumal Nanjiani is from Karachi, Pakistan. That's it. Welcome to my TED Talk. No, Kumal Nanjiani is from is from Karachi, Pakistan, and his voice is still is unique. Even if you take anyone else from Karachi and go, okay, you voice this character, there's something different about Kumal Nanjiani. Just like there's something different about Jason Manzukis or however you say his name. Just like Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin, that was very special. But think back, my friends, think back to the animated movies you watched as a kid. Did it matter that it wasn't some famous actor voicing them? No, it doesn't. The only reason they do it is try to puff out their chest and go, look at all these big names we have. You're never going to see them. They're just going to say a few lines. But uh, look at all these big names we have. Look how impressive we are. Come see our movie. And it works. That's what I hate. It works. Look, I'll be honest. I never want to watch Trolls. Maybe I will someday. Maybe one day I will wind up watching the Trolls movies. I just think that it's a stupid idea should never have been made. Why do I say that? Because if you look at the cast, the vocal cast for Trolls, it makes sense. Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake, the two main ones. They can sing very well, in fact. So it was a musical movie, so we can have these two people do a plain voice, a regularized voice for a character, and then sing and have it be done really well. We have, let's see, Russell Brand, very unique voice, John Cleese, James Corden, Jeffrey Tambor, Ron Funches, very unique voices. So that I can get behind because those people were chosen and there's something unique about what they bring to the table. Tom Holland? I love Tom Holland. I think he's a super nice guy and he's very talented. Octavia Spencer? Super talented. They brought nothing interesting to the table as far as their voice acting went. It was just them. And while I would love them in anything else, I watched The Witches. I loved Octavia Spencer. I watched, well, of course, the Spider-Man movies, but uh, The Devil All the Time or whatever that movie was, Tom Holland was phenomenal. I will watch them in movies, but as far as voice acting goes, I am not, I am not a fan. But this just brings me back to my original point. And how all of that was filler. My original point, this is just an enjoyable film. If you want to watch something with your family, or if you just want something mindless and fun to watch, watch this. It's not great. You'll be able to tell that when I give you my score. But I laughed. But I didn't hate it. But I had a good time. If we had kids right now, I would gladly show them this movie. And I think it would be a very fun family movie night. And that's what this movie is for. It's not for those human barf bags over at Rotten Tomatoes. 
It is for good family fun. Do little gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let's take our final break as we hear word from our good, good friends over at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. We'll be right back with the final movie, the question of the week, and the movies for next week. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. Alright, we are back. We are back with the final film, which was a Netflix original film called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. During a recording session, tensions rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of the blues. This stars Viola Davis from How to Get Away with Murder, Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther, Coleman Domingo from Fear the Walking Dead, Glenn Turman from Zahara, Michael Potts from True Detective, Johnny Coyne from Gangster Squad, and Taylor Page from Hit the Floor. I'm of two minds of this film. I really am. I liked it, don't get me wrong. Uh, Just please remember that I liked this film because Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman were stunning. Absolutely stunning. Viola Davis was Ma Rainey. She sang like Ma Rainey and she disappeared into the role, truly disappeared into the role. She was amazing. And Viola Davis is one of the best talents of our time. Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick Boseman, was outstanding. His performance hurt my heart when he was talking about how his what how his mother was raped by a bunch of white men and then his dad went to kill them and then he got killed and how he grew up being treated like shit by white men and and it just broke my heart and he, it was so good Chadwick Boseman was so good and let's just tack on to the fact that he was a good person visiting sick children while he himself was sick. He himself was dying of cancer and he was still acting and he was still volunteer or volunteering his time. It was just an amazing person. And just like with people like Heath Ledger and James Dean, I can't help but wonder what amazing, truly amazing things he would have done. So this movie can puff out its chest and say we have in this film two of the best and we have a supporting cast that can keep up with them. I'm not familiar with any of the others except Johnny Coyne or Coiney or Coyene, whatever. I've seen him before. I've seen him in quite a few things. I like him. But Davis and Bozeman were fantastic. And the fact that You can have these other actors in it who I am not familiar with at all, for the most part, stand up to that. That is mind-blowing. This was a fantastically acted film. But my issue with this movie was the plot seemed... It seemed like a second thought. Because this is based on a stage production. This is based on something you would go and see live. And if you remember from when I was talking about cats, there are certain things that don't translate well to the screen. 
Luckily, this movie didn't have terrifying CG. It was super well acted, and that is what 100% carried the film. It was just... I... I want you to watch it. I want you to watch this if you haven't already, just because the performances are textbook amazing. And but but as far as the plot goes, it's mainly just, okay, here is a glimpse in a moment of time of what one of the most influential musicians ever had to go through. So we we experience the racism, we experience what it was like working with her. Because it wasn't easy, according to the film. And then we also get a bit of Bozeman and Davis butting heads because they're two brilliant artists. So even though some exciting things happen, this is more of a moment of time. A moment of time based on a true story, but was fictionalized. Uh, The person that Chadwick Bozeman played never existed, but Ma Rainey and her band did. So based on a true story, fictionalized a bit, and used to show what it was like back then and to show us how different we are from back then but how the same we are because racism's still there systematic racism is still there there's still a lot of issues so we haven't come very far but we also kind of have but remember we can never use our the the strides we have made as a excuse for things being okay because they're not we still have a, a, a tremendous amount of work to do So we have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that shows us this time to show us how we're echoing it today, but also serving as a reminder that, hey, don't repeat the past. Like those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it kind of thing. So this is not a plot driven movie. This is a performance driven movie. This is a message driven movie. And it is very important to note that, in my opinion, there is a difference between a a, a movie driven by its message and a movie driven by its plot. So while Doolittle was a lot of fun, and I think it's a more rewatchable film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is a better film, hands down. Just because, remember, not rewatchable does a good film make. I think I said that right. Watch this film to experience it. Watch this film to see some of the best performances, if not the actual best performances from last year. Watch this because it's important to watch it and watch us to pay homage to an amazing talent that was taken from us way too early. And then it could be a sobering reminder that can happen to anyone. So appreciate the time you got. And now that I've made us all sad, let us wrap this up. I love this film. It was so well done. Bozeman and Davis stole the show. Viola Davis could always steal a show. That's her job. She's amazing. Chadwick Boseman, amazing as well. And they worked so well together. That is why you watch this film. You also watch this film because Ma Rainey's Black Bottom gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us jump into the question of the week. And my future friends, if you don't remember, the question of the week was, what was the most disappointing movie you saw last year? And I actually remembered to share the story on one of the social medias, but didn't get any answers. So let's stay within this house and start with Anne, who says, Emma, the acting was wonderful, but the overall movie didn't have the spark that Little Women had. And I get it. I I understand that. And I, I even agree that 
it, it just missed something. It missed something very important that Little Women did very well. Emma was a fine period piece. There really wasn't anything wrong with it per se. It just didn't. It just didn't have that. Just like she said, spark. Also, I think Little Women has the benefit of being a better overall story, but as a movie, it still lacked a little bit. And my answer, you know, if you listen to the Future Flicks Award for most disappointing film, was Onward. Just because I wanted to like it so much more, it had so much potential to be great. And it just felt like a rushed movie. It still wasn't bad. It's still not the Cars franchise, but it's not Pixar's best. It's far from Pixar's best. So it's not as bad as Brave, but it's not as good as Up. Well, my future friends, it's time to come up with a new question of the week. And I thought that I don't have any good ideas, so I thought about this one. Just a random question. What's your favorite movie poster? And how you should think about it when you answer it is that if you can only have one poster up on your wall, what would you choose? And then if you can, also tell me why. Is it because it's your favorite movie? Is it the art on it? Is there something else about it that you really like? Let me know. So once again, what is your favorite movie poster? And now it's time to tell you what movies we'll be watching for next week. And the movies for next week are... Guess what we're finally going to watch? We're finally going to watch Midnight Sky. That's the Netflix original movie with George Clooney and Felicity Jones. And uh, who else? Uh, David Oyelowo, Damian Bachir, and Kyle Chandler. Oh, I did that on my own. Good job, me. And then also we're doing the Disney Plus movie, the Pixar movie, Soul. So that's going to be the Midnight Sky on Netflix and Soul on Disney Plus. And as always, I'll talk about all the movies coming out on streaming. And as always, I won't necessarily veer away from spoilers when talking about those films. So my future friends, let us jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast, share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, My future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.